This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, I'd like to start off just by referring to something I've seen about one of our previous things. Um, it's a little bit out of order, but I just it just uh, appeared these days. It, we, we had spoken about vestiges, um, about organs that are vestigial organs. Um, we had recently, three or four weeks ago, read an article about the spleen, that it's not as vestigial as was thought to be. There's actually an article in, um, it's called Science Daily, but the, it's quoted from the Journal of Evolutionary Biology, which is a very respectable journal, and composed by Duke scientists. Um, let me just read the main points of it. The lowly appendix, long regarded as a useless evolutionary artifact, won newfound respect two years ago when researchers at Duke University Medical Center proposed that it actually serves a critical function. The appendix, they said, is a safe haven where good bacteria could hang out until they were needed to repopulate the gut after a nasty case of diarrhea, for example. Um, and then it, it, the Duke scientists and collaborators from the University of Arizona conclude that Charles Darwin was wrong. The appendix is a whole lot more than an evolutionary remnant. Not only does it appear in nature much more frequently than previously acknowledged, but has been around much longer than anyone suspected. Maybe it's time to correct the, te- the textbooks, says William Parker, PhD, Assistant Professor of Surgical Sciences at Duke. Many biology texts today still refer to the appendix as a vestigial organ. And it goes on to it, Basically, it's found way too many animals and to make sense as that it would be a vestige and that led him to, um, to the point that he made. Um, the reason actually why we get so many appendixitis, he said, um, Darwin simply did not have access to information we have, explains Parker. If Darwin had been aware of the species that have an appendix attached to a large sesum and if he had known about the widespread nature of the appendix, he probably would not have thought of the appendix as a vestige of evolution. He was also not aware that appendicitis, or inflammation appendix, is not due to a faulty appendix, but rather due to cultural changes associated with industrialized society and improved sanitation, um, and so on. So at any rate, I just felt it important to note that the more we learn, the more we realize that uh, the type of thinking that this has no use and therefore it's a mistake, a vestige, or whatever it is, is silly. Um, to base something as if what we know is absolute is never a very, very um, abso- good way of going about things. Okay, <clears throat> let's get back to the point that we're working on. In this part of the series, we were working on the um, goal, so to speak, of uh, Torah and mitzvahs, so life, in its biggest format. So the first week we had spoken about, quote-unquote, from God's perspective. In other words, the tachlos of creation, the end point that God had in mind. Last week we spoke about the end point from our perspective, and we explained it's a series of endpoints. You start with what you get out of it, uh, Tainug, and then Dveikos, and then and uh, Tol finally the responsibility for the world, etc. <coughs> There's one more um, system f- 
for looking at the end goal of things, and this deals not with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's point of view, not with our point of view, but actually the Torah itself. And um, let's explain first by uh, getting a, um, by, by, by starting with a Gemara that is kind of misquoted a lot. There's a more at the end of Makis, and it says that there's Tayag Mitzvahs, and uh, David came and he was Hemidon and Tesvav, and uh, Micha was Hemidon al Shloisha, Bocha Vakuk Hemidon al Achas. So um, each, each um, Novi um, boiled down the Torah to less and less points. <coughs> the, 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 the wrong, simple understanding of that Chazal is that less and less is important. So Ki'ilu Tzadik Bevanos means all you need to do is to have faith and that's enough. Uh, everything else is just extra credit, which is fear and it's wrong. Uh, in a sense, it is the Christian view of things, but um, certainly, certainly um, not our view of things. So what is the point? So what does it mean, Bovehem Midon Al Achas? What's that all about? The, um, um, there's, there are a few other Chazal, and we'll speak about them in a minute, that also that, that give such a type of approach, and we'll explain what that means. Um, when a person is a, a scientist working on discovering laws of nature, etc., and he has m- many, many bits of information. He has a lot of bytes or bits of data. And they are spotting a graph all over. And you have all these dots. The, um, connecting the dots in a way that a coherent picture emerges and that all the dots become examples of a common um, of, 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 of an of a overarching law is, the, is the, the way in which we perceive the world. And it does, it's A, correct. Somehow we have the inner sense that the truth is that bits and pieces are part of a larger picture. <coughs> the mind has a very, very hard time dealing with bits and pieces. There's a Gemara that says, um, the Gemara in Taina says, if you saw a uh, Talmud that, that is in Skashab Talmudo, it's because Mishnoso is not Sturalo. Um, it's not organized. It's not, um, it's a jumble of bits and pieces. And that's very hard. Um, I- 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 the, one of the oldest uh, mnemonic tricks is they show you like an example of, they give you a long list of numbers, try memorizing it. Most people have a hard time with more than seven to ten numbers memorizing random numbers. <coughs> so what you do is you make a story out of it. One person decided that for seven days he's going to eat eight latkes each day and give some of it to his three brothers. So one, seven, eight, three become part of a story and so on and so forth. And if the story is cute, if it's cohesive and it's cute, people remember it that way. So the same thing is true. People remember songs much better than they do prose. 
it's not easy to remember a long speech. Memorizing a long speech is difficult, but a long song goes reasonably well. Um, a lot of the old, um, a lot of the old tales were were a lot of the epics were, were written in sort of ballad form because it's easier to remember something that's part of a flowing tune rather than something that is bits and pieces. Words are bits and pieces, um, whereas a tune it has sort of a unifying melody to it, or rhythm to it, and that helps you remember it. So a person's grasp of things is much, much enhanced when there is a seder to it. And more than that, the um, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one, it is not appropriate that the final picture is that the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu has 613 Ritzonos. The, the most uh, logically appropriate way of saying it is the one God has one Ratzon that comes to us as 613 pieces that need to be put together. So that means we, we, it, it is most appropriate to find the theme, so to speak, of Torah, to find the klal of Torah that puts all the pieces together. That's the Pshat and the Gemara that it was a process of learning how to take the pieces of Torah, taking the individual fruits and understanding the limbs they come from, the twigs they come from, the branches that they come from, the trunk that it comes from, and boiling it all down to some sort of common shorish. Um, that is the um, that is the uh, study of Hamidan uh, Rachas, and that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara calls it in a few places, looking for Klole Hatorah. It says it Lemashal. Um, there's a there's a Sifri in Pashas Azinu, which is coming up next week. Um, he says Torah is the martial terrain. You should try to take the Torah and put it together as a klal rather than know it as bits and pieces. Um, you have Rabbi Kiva says, Again, doesn't mean to say this is important and others are not important. That's not the word klal means. Klal means it is an overarching picture that takes in many of the details. That's the word gadol. Zeklal gadol means it is a it is a, a very encompassing rule which will take in many of the details of the Torah. that even Ben Adam is included in it. Rashi explains and so on. That the klal gadol is means it is a good picture to bring everything in under that picture. Yes. I guess maybe on a more practical level, is this, I mean, is this more just trying to understand what Hashem's ultimate Ratzon is in the, in, the, in the Torah and the mitzvot as opposed to understanding what the mitzvot themselves are? Because how would Sadiq Ben Munaso Yichay bring any understanding to any of the mitzvot? Okay, so, so let's, let's go with that. Now, so the first thing I think that we've uh, posited and that we've put down is that there is a concept of klal, that's m- that the, and it is appropriate concept, and there's the klal gadol and smaller klal and so on. Lemaynaf gemina, actually. Let's let's phrase Pinchas's question in terms of lemaynaf gemina. 
Um, how does this come into play? How is it significant? So the first thing is obviously significant. It just it, it, it always helps a person when we understand things properly. That's, that's good. It also is very important when we need to sometimes uh, evaluate um, what's more important. There are some halachic pieces and that about what's more important than what, but then many times, let's say a question, should I spend more time adabning or learning or chesed, a lot of those questions will depend on how do I see the klal. It's also important in, in terms of a person's focusing. You know, what is he thinking when he's doing the mitzvah? Uh, the Mekubalim gave us a formula. L'shem yichud and I'm doing this mitzvah, this mitzvah, this mitzvah, this mitzvah, and the other mitzvah. Those are, w- that's sort of the kavana and content of understanding what it is that I'm doing. What is this pa'ula doing? So the, the Mekubalim gave us a formula that all, all mitzvahs unite kuchabricha and shchinte. Um, but, but it helps us when we're doing something, performing it, we should be able to have the sense of what it is in the process that we're doing. And we'll t- talk about Tariq in a second. Now, the klal in these things is that the halacha are the dots on the graph. Halacha is determined very specifically. And they are really immutable. They're unchangeable. Um, on the one hand, they're very easy to determine. It, it, halacha is easier to determine than an agada process. Um, they, and they never get pushed out of the way. But they are a very low level of what it is that we have. It's drawing the big picture together that gives us the deeper understanding of what puts things together. And that's called Agada. Um, halacha, which means to walk. Walk is a, a discrete activity. You, there's a step at a time. I can slice it into real pieces. Um, discrete in a sense, like like quantums of discrete entities. They, they are um, clearly defined bits that add up to something. Agada comes from the word negido, which means to flow, and that is a continuous activity without having discrete um, uh, sections. It's continuous, like a river that flows. So when a person is walking versus a river that's flowing, when a person is walking, there are defined steps, but each step is an entity to its own. It's only when you look at the whole picture of where the person was and where the person ended up that we have a bigger picture, whereas a flow is continuous. Um, and that's the difference in halacha and agada. Agada means to give us klolometara, and halacha gives us um, pieces. It is important for us to understand it because we function much better when we know what we're doing. Sometimes we need to evaluate different things and to um, reach conclusions about what's more important, what's less important, when there's not a halachic clear definition of which of the two has to give way. Let's go into some of the, um, I guess, Gedoli Yisrael's approaches. And there is room for an endless amount of giving a cloud to it, whether in a big way or just a nuance, 
the two pieces that are immutable are halacha is halacha. In other words, if your klal fits 99% of halacha and one of them it does not fit, for instance, if somebody says Shabbos is a day to be together with the family, but your poor Aunt Selma, who's such a sweet old lonely lady, and she lives 60 miles away, and it's hard for her to walk the 60 miles on Shabbos, and she can't drive with the car, then it's, it's, it, then it's shot it out. And m- being there with the family might be a prat of Shabbos, but it certainly can't be the klal, because way too many halachas uh, eliminate that. So um, the halachic bits, the, just like a scientist, he can theorize anything as long as the data is correct. That's one caveat. If the data is not correct, he will either have to label it as an exception for a reason, or will just have to redo the theory. The second thing, and this is a harder one, is um, the the, the um, cloud has to be within the realm of Torah true values. Um, let's give a, let's give the same counterexample to um, to this in in uh, in a secular world. Statisticians sit all day long and study correlating events, and they will study what type of economy produced what type of president, what type of foreign policy situation produced what type of president, Democrat or Republican or whatever. Um, and and you know and, and a lot and they, they just keep going with this and so on and so forth. They also have a cutesy division that has like in years that the miniskirt was popular, a uh, Democratic president got elected, a Republican president. The year that the wine crop was good in 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 France, this type of president, that president. No, and and they will obviously they will try hundreds of different things like that. And every so often they'll find one that pops in neatly up to that point. Nobody in his right mind is going to say, oh, this is a very good, um, this is a very, very good indicator of the president. Somewhere along the line, there's also a sense that it has to be a sensible solution. So in Torah there has to be a Torah value. If some, if some perverted person would come up with that all the myths in the Torah enhance the worship of the Baal, and he would quote-unquote prove it, we would say he's off, um, off his racket, simply because we know that the Torah is not a Torah value, and, and it's just not going to work. So um, we, we can take many klolem and have it fit the Torah. Um, we must make sure that it sticks to halacha, and we must make sure that the Ruach Advarim fits in with the Ruach of what we would feel are Torah values. What we feel means, by learning enough Torah, one gets a sense the Torah positive values are Chesed and Emes and Tov and, and Akarish Baruch Hu and so on, and the negative values are Arayas and Avodazara and Ra and so on and so forth. In a general sense, we, we do have a sense of what could be values or could not be. Let's take a look at the different approaches so we get a sense of this. There's one approach, and um, this is going to be reflected later when we speak about yeshivas and the learning, that, t- that uh, one step before that, I'm sorry, let me, let me go with an earlier approach. The Rambam in Moronevuchim goes through all the mitzvahs to give time in. 
um, when you go through them, you're struck by something. Every single mitzvah has only one reason. The reason it is to affirm the Achtas Vakadosh Baruch Hu and to negate Davod And some of the reasons seem to be, some of it seems to be extremely accurate, some of it seems to be plausible, and some of it seems to be way out. And the Rambam is insistent on it. Um, it it's, it's kilu straight down the line. It, almost every single mitzvah and avayda we think of has to do with Achtas Vakadosh Baruch the Rambam was reflecting that Gemara of Achas. At the end of the day, the mitzvahs bring out the Achtos of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in the world. In a sense, the Mekubalim and their language had the same thing. The same Yichud Kuchav in its own language and in its own concepts, means a very similar thing. The world looks to us Avodah It looks to us like bits and pieces. And by bringing our Kaddish Baruch Hu's all-encompassing self into the picture, I am bringing everything and affirming Kaddish Baruch Hu's The Kabbalim had their own Mahalachim and how to do it. The Ramam tried to be very, very straightforward and show you how all the various, whether it's shaving, being makif, is, is kind of drinking blood, etc., etc., all have a Vodazardic Ashrashim. I want to make a comment about this also. It's not, the Rambam is not as facile as it looks like, oh, the Uptavazar drank blood, so Torah is it. This is going back 3,000 years ago, so why is Tolosa? They shaved the head, so the Uptavazar could have beards, so, so why? And the, the Rambam, I think the way the Rambam understands it is, there are activities that by their very nature have an Avodazaradika bent to it. Lamashal, you have Avodos that are considered universal in the Yisrael Avodazara and so on. So these are things, blood is used in almost every type of Avodazar. Blood is a very important element in it. Something with the head, wearing a headdress, shaving it, shaving it off, shaving it on, was very common to many Avodazars. In other words, the Torah picked Averis that seemed to be very universal in their appeal of Avodazara and mitzvahs that affirm Akarish Baal So the Rambam's Mahalach is, Emuna is the Klal Gadol of Taira. Every single mitzvah affirms it, and every single avera um, keeps you away from lack of amuna, and that's how the picture comes together. The um, <coughs> the goyans cheder, for instance, and it's it's ordinary goyan also, but I'm just just picking it because that's the most familiar one. Place the emphasis on Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is connected kulam. Talmud Torah encompasses the whole Torah. The halacha is given your choice; you should learn rather anything else. The overriding chiyuv is Torah, and everything it revolves around learning. The mitzvahs we have to do are minimums to keep our neshama in its right place, so that the learning is meaningful. And if we were to do our various, we could learn. We'd, we'd be most of But the klal gadol of kolaterikula is the understanding of it. So the doing of the mitzvahs is a tonight. It's lumodamenaslasos, but it's not the uh, uh, but the tachlis of doing is that so that we understand. The tachlis of doing is so that that which we learned is is emistas and not just idle, you know, intellectual uh, 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 gymnastics. But but really, learning is the is the kloy, and that's how the cheder of the grain was built and based and understood. So, if a Jew wasn't learning what to ask, what is my tachlis bria? 
to help the person who's learning, and that way I become part of his learning. Uh, just like the my stomach. Why does my stomach have a chelik and chiasamesim? Why is my stomach um, what its purpose is to provide the the, the 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 nutrition and bring it to the brain or the hands to the mitzvahs of the brain who's who's learning. The same thing, everything is built around Torah. Support for it. The centerpiece of Kalah Yisrael was all the tribes around the Mishkan. The Mishkan had the Kodesh Kodeshim at its center. The, the, the Kodesh Kodeshim had the Aran. The Aran had the Luchos and the Torah in it. So everything was focused on Torah and Luchos. And the only activity that is spiritual, in a full sense, is learning. It's, it's a non-physical activity, really. And we use our brains, but we learn with our minds. So this becomes the center and klal galakal terakula. Hasidus came along, and Hasidus said, no, the klal of kala is a person's um, heart, meaning his, his what, you know, what Rachman al The Mishkan was the center, it's, and, and, and the, the, the Mishkan was the center of Kaisal, but the Mishkan was all about Avodah Hashem, Karbanis. At the end of the day, a person can be intellectual, but it's all about himself. It's not about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The only genuine avoda is when it comes from the heart. And therefore, tefillah is the primary expression, the kalal gadol of kalatarikul is tefillah. Because tefillah is a total, um, a, a, a total negation of self in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Torah is very important. It's an important mitzvah, and as a chiv to learn whenever you can. But given the choice between davening longer and learning less, it's clear. Davening is the important one, learning is the less important one. Is it true that a person who's osing Torah all the time, like Hashem Yechai, is part of Yes, just like somebody who works in the Chavah Kaddish is part of from Krishna. But you're not going to say that the purpose of Klai is to be in Chavah Kaddish. The person in the Chavah Kaddish is part of because he's being osing the mitzvah. The person who's like Hashem Yechai, he's being osing in Talmud Torah in a very special way, he becomes part of tefillah. But that's not meant to be the picture of a Yisrael. Shemichoi is the exception. Just like the guy in the Chabad Kaddish, part of Lenin Krishna is the exception. It's not the cloud of Kalatari Kula that to become part of Chabad Kaddish is the, the, is the goal of people in Kalat Yisrael. So um, tefillah, so lev as opposed to rosh, tefillah as opposed to Torah, avodah um, Hashem as opposed to Hasuya Daosi became the core of Hasidus. So, w- w- interesting, we have two the movements of Erlicha people, and both wholeheartedly wanting to over Hashem, both keeping the same mitzvahs, yeah, with, with all the sniping at the, the, the Zmanic fill, is that, but at the end of the day, keeping the same Shulchan Aruch, learning the same Gemaras, and have two very different worldviews. Um, it reflects itself on a practical level. In, in the Litvisha world, the yeshiva was an entity that stood above anything else in, in the tzibur. Um, a rav is nice, and a community is nice, and they're wonderful. A yeshiva stood in its own. It, it's, like, it, it's, um, it, it's like the difference between a, a, a major university and a high school. A high school belongs to the neighborhood. A major university is, is a force on its own. It's its, its own mitzvah. The yeshivas became kaisor. That is kaisor. Communities are where you take care of your mitzvah needs and your daily needs of the people that are not learning and so on. That was a view. By Chassidim, the marshal, it was the other way around. The Rebbe, who's a big tzaddik, 
was the focus was the focal point of of uh, of, of Avodas Hashem, and Rosh Hashiva fulfilled an important function. He taught people, but he wasn't the dominant figure, and everything centered around the Rebbe, who wasn't supposed to be the Avodas Hashem and the Mispal. Musa came along, and Musa had a different approach, and Musa's approach was that a person's midas are really what it's all about. Um, they referred back to the Rabbi Chaim Vital in Avodas Hakodesh, where he in in, in, in Sarah Shaktusha, where he where he um, where he says that midas are so obvious they come before Torah. The all of the mitzvahs are there to enhance a person's midas. So besides doing mitzvahs as as we're supposed to do them, working on one's midos is probably the most important part of Avodas Hashem. It's the only thing that directly refines a person. A person can be learning, and a person can be davening, and yelling away, and full of kafanis, but he is blithely ignorant of his own mitzvahs, and he's, he's full of terrible midas. If a person is betzalmalakim, working on midas is supposed to be the thing that makes it betzalmalakim. So that was what, the chassid, what Musa preached, and once again, it, the fight between Musa and the Musa itself came into the Shiva world with not a few battles and with a lot of opposition and the opposition was kind of a sense when someone could come along and say in, in, in the standard yeshiva model or the standard go'on model um, the, 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 this is the way we would tell somebody you're learning great and you're big time chacham you have a flaw that you're about gaiva and you need to work on gaiva because it's an isa daraisa because the kashpah doesn't like about gaiva and so on in the Musa model, we would tell somebody, um, what's your learning worth? You're learning for your own aggrandizement, for your own arrogance. You're not learning for Kaddish Baruch Hu, so your Talmud Torah is all going to feed your gaiva. And that is the opposite of Tzalma Kim. It's the opposite of what a person should be. And your learning is worthless. It's a very different, conceptually, we're talking about two different models. Here we're telling somebody you're great with a flaw. Here we're telling somebody you missed the main point. You have you have the, all the ancillary material. You just don't have the main point. You can look at yes. Are there any other legitimate shivas? Yeah. Uh, well, 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 we will go through some of them. Shamsha Fall Hirsch in his writings, it, and it's not clear. Um, first of all, Shamsha Hirsch was very big into giving the sweeping picture of things. It was one of his great feats that he was able to do it. His Sefer Chorah, which gives a sense of all the mitzvahs, he started by going to all the points of what the halachas are. He also had, I have, I saw his grandson, who was a neighbor of mine, a friend of mine, I mean, great, great grandson, um, he had all the Zohars on the Indian. Even though he never called the Zohars, in Germany, Kabbalah was not considered you know, it wasn't kind of part of the legitimate uh, Mesorah, so to speak. I don't mean the practice, I just mean it wasn't part of what people spoke about and he didn't feel right to for, for Tzibur, but he had all the Zohar crushes down and used that, all those pieces to build a world view. Um, he had all the, the data and then made a sweeping world view. Hashem Shafal Hirsch's view was that um, the world in its entirety, the halachas of the Torah, are to bring the world to its shleimus. And it creates a society of people that are noble, elevated, great people, 
and a world that Bimela reflects that. That's the style of his writing. It was extremely appealing in Germany, where that's why people thought. I mean, if your attitude is, you know, I couldn't kill us with anybody else, how am I being perfected? Then the Transvaal Hirsch doesn't really talk to you. But when you speak about sweeping grand vision of a world of people, of humans, of societies, and so on, um, it was a very uplifting type of approach. And many people today feel comfortable, once again, when people, they have more of a universal sense of, of things, when people um, have, have a, a, um, an inclusive sense of things, um, it, it also speaks to them. Uh, let's give one more model, and that is the model of uh, the Mekubalim. The model of the Mekubalim, it was that the world became flawed terribly through Avera, um, whether it's Aramarishan's Avera, whether it's prior imperfections in the Bria, and everything we do is there to be attacking those flaws, and once we put it together, we will have the picture it's supposed to be. So the talk is about tikkunim, about bringing together pieces that have become separated, that's sort of L'Shem Yichud and so on. I'm oversimplifying a bit, but I, I just, just to give a, a general sense of it. So there was a picture of something that was um, also a different approach. So here we have five different approaches, all valid and all work. Um, just to show how far this process goes, even Hasidus, for instance, was no means monolithic in its approach. It started out with a big doggish on Rahman Alibaboy and the, the need to keep talking about the heart and so on and so forth. Um, people in, in the literature world criticize Hasidim because a lot of their vertlachs seem to be, um, I mean, in, in the world of Pshat and certainly of Digduk, it, it, it's kind of off to put a Mali. But it's like somebody listening, somebody who has a tin ear. And he listens to poetry being read. And at the end of a beautiful poem, he says, I disagree with that person. I was there in the forest. The brook that flows there is not clear. It does not tinkle. I would rather describe it as a more of a rushing sound, and et cetera, et cetera. And he criticizes it for the geography and the, and the topography of it. I mean, the person has missed the boat. A chsidish of is supposed to strike at the melodic part of a person's neshama. And, 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 and for a person who feels that way, for the person with that type of neshama, that's a lot more emis. The, 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 the neshama of the poem is a lot more emis than the, than the, um, than the details of it. And, um, you know, so Chassidus did that, but then came along the Balatanya, for instance, and he said an emotional... Um, arousal that starts with singing and clapping and dancing is hype. It's not emis. It's got to start with deep philosophical slash Kabbalah slash introspection. And when a person thinks about that, it arouses his senses. He, he, he ran into a huge machlokas. And many of his friends um, left him at that stage. And they said, y you're taking us back to the Litvaks. I mean, this is not what Balshemtev had in mind. He did not have a mind deep contemplative study. He had a mind pure, unadulterated emotion. 
And his and, and the Baltanya said, well, that is nonsense. Pure undelted emotion is hype. It doesn't last. It's insubstantial. And Kutz came along and actually sort of was a Musa-type approach. Kutz said, it's all full of it. Hype and deep philosophical contemplations um, are, are, are anesthesia to keep a person away from uh, from being honest about himself. When you when you when you when you're the eighth rakia with the Balatanya, or you're your eighth dance with with the, with the Polish with the other Hasidim, um, you you don't you, you're not criticizing yourself and saying you know what down deep what I feel like having now is chant and kiggle, and, and unless a person focuses on himself and rips himself to pieces, there's no emes. So Kutz came and was mimed everything on emes and said nothing is worth anything unless it is so bluntly emes there's no room to mistake the purity of it. So we have just an, exa- an example of a lot of different approaches. Um, all of them emes as long as they stuck to halacha and to a, a value that's a Torah value. Curious about the survey. I mean, all of the movements Rebbe's talking about here, I mean, the Vilna Gaon lived in the 1700s, uh, the Baal Shemsa was at the same time, the Muster movement and Rav Shantan and Rav Hirsch, they all came in the 1800s. Yes. So what about the 17 to the 2,000 years before that? Um, okay, it, it's hard, um, it, it is hard for me to capture a flavor of earlier period. The Spanish period certainly had a, a flavor that's discernible. It just historically we're, we're removed a bit. The Rambam certainly had an approach. Uh, the Ramban has a certain <coughs> sense of it. It's just harder because we're removed from it historically and, and we don't have so much of the flavor of, of, of what went on. These are movements that were still somewhere attached to it. They still exist. They still speak to us. So it was easier for me to um, sort of r- relate to it. I, I can't do that with the early ones, really. Okay. Yeah. Oh.